Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. We are live at the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo. I guess I should mention we're live if you're here. We're live if you're tuned in on Facebook and our YouTube channel at Hoosier Ag Today. Uh, you're, we're not live if you're listening to this in the traditional format of the podcast. You're, you're, you missed the boat. Sorry, guys. You should have come down here to the Farm Expo and taken a peek at what all we had here and checked out the presentation we have for you today. It's the Soil Health Podcast. We've been doing this now for over two years, trying to spread the message about soil health practices and some of the benefits both to the soil, financially. It's, it's, there are a lot of benefits to soil health practices, and we've been trying to spread that now for over two years, and it's proudly presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. You can learn more about their projects and a list of events at ccsin.org. I want to welcome the folks I have on stage with me today. We've got Mike Shooter over there to my left. You're right as you're watching. And Mike, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. You've been at this for a long time, right? We've been uh, no-tilling for 38 years now. So as Lisa put it yesterday, I'm the old guy on the block now. So. Well, you don't look a day over 39. I don't know how that happened. 38 years. Uh, you'd lie about other things then, wouldn't you? <laughs> Mike is with Shooter Sunset Farms. Uh, he's uh, been a part of the National Association of Conservation District Soil Health Champions Network for several years, so look forward to hearing from Mike. In the middle here is Dan Quinn. Dan is the relatively new Purdue Extension corn specialist. We've had him on this program before. And uh, Dan, just give folks a little bit of your background if they uh, forget or haven't uh, haven't had the opportunity to listen in to you. Yeah, so I've been with Purdue University for about seven months now. Uh, started this last spring, so I'm the new extension corn specialist uh, taking over for Bob Nielsen, um, who's been doing it a very long time. Um, but happy to be in Indiana. Um, you know, I grew up in central Michigan, uh, went to school at Michigan State, and went down to University of Kentucky as well. So I've been above the state, been below the state. Figured Indiana should be a hybrid between the two. Um, should be the sweet spot. <laughs> the sweet spot, that's yeah. what it is. Um, but yeah, happy to be here. Very good. Thanks for being here, Dan. And here just to my left is Andrew Bernzot. Uh, you recently started farming on your own in Fayette County. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about your journey in, in this soil health world. What, what has it been like for you, Andrew? Yeah, so like, uh, like you said, I just started recently farming on my own in uh, southeastern Indiana. Um, Worked for uh, Ruling Enterprises out of Arcadia, Indiana for several years, and uh, that's where I was actually able to get mainly uh, most of my soil health um, ideas, I guess, from. And um, so worked with worked with Ruling Enterprises for years and then was able to uh, move back to my home county and get started on my own and uh, been able to, to integrate cover crops and uh, no-till into the equation, and it's been going good the last two years. Very good. We appreciate you being here, Andrew. And uh, the Rulins, you've, uh, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard 
from them many a time. We've had them on the program talking about all of the things they do. Mike, I want to start with you. Tell us a bit about your operation. You mentioned you've been no-tilling for 38 years. What, what got you into this? Why did you decide to start employing some of these soil health practices? Well, I think it started out originally when we started no-tilling. I mean, you look back at the early 80s and things weren't very good then and it gave us a chance to raise crops and, and not have all the expense of the equipment that, we, that we've got now. And, and uh, that was kind of what started. And then we started seeing the, the benefits of, of no-tilling uh, when we could get on the ground quicker uh, after a rain or, or something that way. Um, when a good time, and then about 20 years ago, we started strip-tilling. Uh, we were just seeing, seemed like we had gotten to a plateau where we weren't seeing yields increase when we were no-tilling and, and decided to start strip-tilling. Um, built... Uh, a 24-row strip-till unit back then and, and a 24-row no-till planter, which uh, I've been told was the first 24-row no-till planter in the state. And I haven't got anything that says that, but uh, really liked what we saw from better emergence, better growth, early growth, and uh, then we started learning about uh, the soil health aspects of things. Started cover crops probably 10 years ago now. Um, had a lot of discussions with with a lot of different producers around. Ruins were one of my early mentors that I talked to a lot. Um, but I've got, and this is a thing that we need to be emphasizing. I've got friends all over the state that are doing a lot of the same things we're doing that we share a lot of things back and forth. And that's, that's how this whole system's gonna grow. Um, we're not, our operation's not in the mantra that we have to have all the latest, biggest tractors and tillage equipment to be a, a good farm operation. And, and that's, I think, part of the things we've got to get past. That doesn't mean a good operation to me. If they're destroying the soil health by the tillage that they're doing. Um, I've, I've gotten to studying soil biology the last four or five years and, and the microbiology that's going on in that soil when we're no-tilling and cover cropping and getting the soil health where it needs to be is really part of what we haven't been able to see before, haven't been able to understand. But once we understand that, I, I do not want to take a piece of tillage out there and kill the zillions of friends I've got out there in the soil that's doing a lot of the, that, that's going out and getting the nutrients that are out there in the soil. We've been able to cut our fertilizer use probably in half at least. And we're not losing soil fertility. A year ago, or in the past year, I had our agronomist got a soil sample and split it in two. And he took, took half of it and 
sent to a lab where they totally destroyed that that sample and found what all nutrients are in that soil and compared that to what we're seeing in a regular normal soil test and it's three or four times the amount of nutrients that are sitting there in that soil for us to use that aren't necessarily available in a tillage system because we don't have the microbiology to to get that nutrient and get it to the plant for us. You mentioned that you cut your fertilizer in half. That means you cut your fertilizer costs in half, which is kind of a big deal here in 22. That's, that's, yes, a, that's a big deal. Yeah, so feel good about that. That's pretty good. And, and you know, Mike mentioned that there's this, this, like, network of farmers that do soil health practices and they're sharing information. Some feel like this is a you know, more of a cutthroat business. You want to, you know, down at the coffee shop, you've got to be the first one out there planting. You've got to be the first one done harvesting. But farmers come together on this topic and really talk about this. And, Andrew, I imagine that with your, your new operation, what, coming up on two years now, that that probably played a, a big role. You mentioned the, the rulings already. But just having people to talk to, that, that's got to be great to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, Ruin Enterprises uh, was with them, still able to you know, bounce ideas off of them. Um, use Rodney quite a bit. Um, like, like Mike had said, I've been to Mike's farm before. Um, worked with uh, guys from the National No-Till Conference. Um, you know, I think the most beneficial part of events like this and events like, you know, National No-Till Conference and, and uh, the field days that Mike's had and, and other, other farms practicing these soil health, um, they're huge just in, just in the sense of the networking um, because you know you can bounce questions off any of these guys and, you know, it's not about the competition at the end of the day. It's about, you know, how can I help you succeed as well? And, and that's what it's been great. It's it's let me grow, um, grow my farm and and uh, really grow my soil health on my farm as well. Can, can you take us through? You know, a couple years ago, I, there there aren't a ton of people just getting into farming. Some might call you a little crazy, Andrew. Okay, uh, I know you were kind of in the biz, but kind of running your own thing. They, you know, they might have different names for them. I don't know. You guys would know better than I would. But talk about why you decided to do it and just kind of the journey you've been on with that. So my grandfather farmed. Uh, he retired before I ever had the chance to farm with him. So um, spent a lot of time out on his farm, though, when I was young. And from when I was young, I knew, you know, I love this. This is what I want to do. Um, didn't know that I had an avenue in, but, you know, went to Purdue and thought, you know, I'm going to give it the best shot that I can. Um, out of Purdue... Uh, worked for, um, I was an operations manager for a, a larger farm in West Central Indiana, um, then moved to Ruland shortly afterwards. Um, and that's where, you know, we made a, a, a deal for them to help me grow into my own operation and continue to help them grow as well. So um, they're really the ones that, that, helped me focus on the soil health aspect of, of farming and the business aspect of farming. And 
not only is the soil health beneficial for um, you know your soils uh, but it's beneficial to your bottom line it looks it looks expensive and a lot, a lot of people say you know I'm not getting an immediate return on this but it's not about the immediate one day you know one year return you know we've stu we've done studies at ruins over 10 12 years where you're seeing a consistent return on the covered areas versus the uncovered areas um you know I'm, I'm not gonna quote an amount because i don't have the study right in front of me but um we've seen a consistent return and and we've actually seen an organic matter increase over the last 10 years instead of you know decrease like in a tillage situation dan let's talk about some of the research that goes into this because there are still a lot of things that we need to learn about soil health practices. Uh, I think that that's very apparent. We just heard a little while ago here on the seminar stage about carbon credits. It's a hot topic. People are, are thinking about getting into this space, maybe holding out for a little bit more money than what some of the companies are offering, but there's still a lot we need to learn about this space. And it's something that I believe it was when you were at Kentucky, you studied quite a bit, right? Yeah, so I spent three years at the University of Kentucky, and you think about the state of Kentucky, you there's parts of that state where you whisper conventional till and they about throw you out of the state. Um, you know, they have very, very good soils, but very shallow soils. Um, so farmers down there, that's where no-till began in the state of Kentucky. And um, just a lot of guys that are some meeting some of the original no-tillers um, in history. Um, but really good soils, they want to keep it in place and they really use both no-till and cover crops to prevent erosion and you know help with some with their weed control and those no-till systems and there are a lot of guys that are just so big into that soil health aspect down there and you know when I came up to Indiana that was kind of on my mind of a way to go that route with some of our research and you know I kind of talked about some of the stuff I did in Kentucky and even I've only been here seven months but I get asked all the time you know you talk about these carbon markets and but other aspects too is that, that guys are just interested in, in getting into that realm and, and trying cover crops or trying no-till or strip-till. Um, so I look at it from my aspect, you know, being an extension and university is doing everything we can to help educate and help farmers get started. Um, so learning from guys, you know, I'm trying to learn a lot, but I can learn even more from guys like Mike and, and Andrew here. And so we can kind of translate that to the guys that want to get started and you think about corn too you know I'm an agronomist I'm not a soil scientist there's you know soil scientists at Purdue that have done phenomenal work in the soil health realm and there's another question to that and the agronomy side you know guys want to use no-till or cover crops or these soil health practices but a lot of guys might be hesitant to put that practice in place if they can't get their corn to work too so I look at it from that standpoint of just helping guys agronomically make their corn work in these systems, how their management may need to be tweaked or changed or things they need to be you know, looking for so they aren't taking such a big yield hit when they get started and, and just helping educate folks around the state because there's a lot of folks that have been coming to me that, that want to get started and, and have a lot of questions. I want to leave a little time here if anyone in the crowd does have questions for any of our panelists up here. We'd, I'd love to hear from you, and I'll, I'll give you that opportunity in just a moment. Uh, Mike, let's, let's just touch on real quick. You've been doing this a long time, and we touched on you know, fertilizer prices for 22 are just skyrocketing, and you've, you've cut those in half, so good for you. But that's just one financial aspect of this. How does it work financially? 
I mean, we, we heard Andrew talk about some some people look at it and look at the upfront costs and they're like, nah, not for me. But it it's about a longer term investment. One other thing about our operation, we're about 20% organic now. That's been a big, big push for us is is to get that developed. I I would rather spend money on cover crops than I would on tillage. We just get more advantages out of it. We've uh, Andrew talked about increasing organic matter. I think the last time I put the numbers together, and I've got I've got a books of soil tests going back to 2000 that. I think we're increasing our organic matter at least at least one-tenth of a percent every year. Uh, and that was bef really before we got into cover crops that much. I just haven't looked at it in the last four or five years, but my guess is our organic matter is just continuing to increase. We're not seeing a trail-off in yields. We had the best yields this year we've ever had. We had cover crops on every acre in 21. Now we haven't got them on every acre in 22 yet because of the fall weather, but we had one example of what we've taken from from our organic trek. We had everything that going to beans this past year was had cereal rice seeded ahead of it. We had 200 acres that we and and we seeded all those beans green and then terminated the cereal rye, except for 200 acres. We took 200 acres and, and let it go, let the cereal rye go. We actually were planting about the boot stage for cereal rye. We were able to eliminate a burndown pass this past spring on those acres and go in with, with a roller crimper crimp the rye when the beans, after the beans had gotten up. Beans, we, we like to do it before they get to third trifoliate. And you can go in there and, and roar crimp that, not really do that much damage to beans. <laughs> I know guys that used to think they wanted to ding beans with a chemistry or even a roar in the past to, to help make better beans. Those those fields were just as good as as the rest of the fields, and we eliminated some of the expense. And so that's kind of where it's at for us. You you ask Andrew about um, interactions. One cool thing about what's going on when we're doing organic stuff, we've got a neighbor that started into organics too. Uh, we never in the past as everyone knows your neighbors your enemy all the time but we've shared more in the last two years back and forth on the organic side of things and that's the piece i see in the organic community and the soil health community that guys want to share what they're finding out and what's going on to get more people involved with it Andrew, what about you from a financial standpoint, if you can answer that one as well? So, like I had mentioned before, you know, guys see it's it's a big investment up front, 
um, you know, it's a big line item there in cover crop seed and application cost. It, you know, costs a little bit on fuel. But uh, the one thing that I've always thought was, you know, I've never seen a tillage pass that's under $14. Um, when you fa factor in fuel depreciation interest, I mean, you get all, if you capture, if you truly capture all of your costs, there's 12 to $14 is what a tillage pass costs. My average cost, um, and I do a little bit something different every year, my average cost of cover crop is going to be like 16, 17 bucks an acre. So it is a big upfront cost, and there's not that immediate return. But, um, you know, I'm able to utilize programs like the EQIP program through NRCS, um, the CSP program through NRCS. Um, I'm only doing the NR the uh, the equip right now, but it's it's really helped me to be able to get into the cover crop realm um, without having to incur those massive upfront costs of you know hey I don't have a drill or hey I you know I I can't convert my planter over to plant cover crops, so that's been one big help for me in you know advancing my soil health, um, but like I said. We've done studies with, or I did studies with rural and enterprises, um, where you know just in, just in yield advantage, you know we're seeing a return. You know it wasn't immediate, but um, over long-term studies, we're seeing quite a large advantage on corn and soybeans um, across all the different cover crops. Um, so it, yeah, it's it's been, it, it's once you get past that first upfront part. Um, there is there's a lot of data out there that that shows that it's it's making money do we have anyone out there with questions anyone anyone Bueller Bueller no I'll ask another one so we've been hearing a lot about supply chain logistics transportation all of these issues that we're facing and we talked already about the fertilizer cost but has it been an issue for either of you guys, like cover crop supply? Is, has that been in short supply? Are, are we good on all that? Are you guys doing okay with that? Go ahead, Mike. Since we haven't got our cover crops on yet, our building's still got quite a few bags of cover crop seed in it. We did not have an issue, uh, and some of, our, some of our seed comes out of Canada. And uh, probably the biggest issue was getting it across the border, but haven't seen an issue with getting truck transportation to get a hold of cover crops. Um, not saying that that certain ones might might be an issue getting a hold of. Uh, we like to use a lot of buckwheat. Buckwheat's one that's in a little shorter supply right now. Uh, we actually, after a field of canola we had this year, put buckwheat in there with the intention of harvesting it and then fall hit <laughs> so that buckwheat's an already seeded cover crop for this next year we had some double crop beans after wheat that were marginal time was marginal when we seeded them and those uh Double crop beans have been turned into cover crop beans, so uh, we're not going to harvest those because of the way this falls have been. When you get get the weather we've gotten and see some of the issues with 
with beans that have been left out there. I mean, they were they were probably 25, 30 bushel beans, but when you can't get them in a good situation to get them where they're not moldy and, and shriveled up and things that way from the weather issues, then you just use them as cover crop. We have just a few minutes left here, and I always like to ask this of each guest, and Andrew, I'm gonna start with you because you did it most recently. Um, what advice do you have for someone who hears, oh, carbon credit, maybe I should look into that, and you know, maybe I, whatever the reason might be that they wanna start looking at soil health practices, what advice do you have for them to get started? So I would say to get started, and you're asking about just getting started in cover crops, correct? Yeah, so I would say, yeah, so I would say um, there are a multitude of reasons that you should, but find what works best for you. Not everybody knows, there, there's nobody has a plan for you that's gonna work best for you. You have to decide, you have to find what makes or what works best for you. Like Dan was saying, he gets phone calls all the time. Um, and there will be farmers that say, you know, I put weed out and as a cover crop in front of my corn and it was a disaster. I'm never going cover crops ever again. Well, 99% of the time, they didn't do any research. They just put out weed on 200 acres that they planted corn into and they terminated it six weeks before they planted corn and it turned into a sloppy, muddy mess. And if you just do that research and, and even if it's just by you take that five acre field that you have and you plant different species on it every year and you try something different, you know, five acres isn't going to break your bank. Ten acres isn't going to break your bank if you, you know, just to put some cover crops on it. Um, call people like Dan. Dan's got all the resources in the world for you. He's, he's willing to talk to you on the phone. <laughs> he doesn't ever answer my calls. What's that all about? Yeah, well, th I think that's another issue. Okay. All right. <laughs> caller id yeah <laughs> dan what about you what advice do you have yeah i think just reach out uh to me or if i don't know the answer i don't there's a lot of answers i don't know um but i can maybe get you in contact with the people that do you know that's my role in extension that's the role at purdue university that's why we're here you know to help farmers and you know if guys are thinking about starting cover crops you know have my phone number i you know, give me a call. Um, I have my own website too, where we we're just going to have research up and going starting next year. I think we've got cover crop trials in four or five locations throughout the state. Um, yeah, so give me a call. Be happy to have you come out to some of our research trials, get you in contact with the people that you need to get in contact with. Um, but I always tell guys that's that's why we're here and ask me questions. And the more questions I get. And as I'm getting started, the crazier the questions I get, the more I learn as well. So I'm trying to learn everything I can so that we can hopefully help some of these guys um, kind of capitalize on some of these practices. Thekernel.info, correct? Yeah, Thekernel.info the is my website. Um, so a little plug on that. Um, we post every trial resource thing we can find. I try to update it every week. You know, every article from universities around us as well, too. So we always are always trying to do everything we can to you know get that information out to folks um to try and help them very good mike i don't know if you remember when you started it's been that long ago but it, it, how do you how do you propose people get started find somebody that's doing it if they're doing it 
they're they're going to want to share with you what they're doing. Yeah. Um, soil health is almost addictive in that once you know what you're doing and understand what you're doing, you don't want to go away from it. And you want to help other people learn what you've learned. It's kind of like I, I said a little bit ago about organics. If, if you're wanting to get into organics, find somebody that's doing it. Yeah. They'll, they'll share with you. Um, it, it takes a little bit of time to get into no-till. When we first started, it probably was three or four years before you really seen the benefits out of it. Now with cover crops, you can get into no-till and cover crops, and you don't, you don't have that lag in, in what you see in yields. So it's, it's very doable, it's, and it'll help your bottom line. But you have to want to and be able to make changes. Yeah. If change is tough for you, go to the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I've got, I've got a grandson that's 14, but working some in the operation, and he understands what we're doing. Two sons that are on board with it too. Yeah. Well. If you listen to this podcast regularly, what you'll find is we try to keep a farmer as part of the podcast with perhaps, you know, a, an expert like, like Dan. Can we call you an expert? Okay. Um, we, we try to do that because the farmers have so much knowledge. And quite frankly, every farmer that I've talked with about soil health, you, you can just feel the passion that they have for it. So if you have questions, guys like Mike, Guys like Andrew, they're, they really are. They, they don't just say it. They're, they're really here to help. So if you've got questions, I imagine they'll be around, come tug on their shirt afterward, ask, ask some questions. But we appreciate everyone being here today. Uh, we appreciate you three being up here on stage for the Soil Health Podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. For, we could talk about this like all day, but, you know, they only gave me a half hour. So I've got to, like, give you guys the hook. Sorry. So, uh, but, but. You know, if, if you walked in late, you want to hear the rest of this. It's been live streamed at our Facebook and YouTube channel. We also have the Soil Health Podcast, which we'll be putting that on our website as well. And it's all presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. Check them out at ccsin.org. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This has been the Soil Health Podcast from Who's Your Ag Today.